Hi, my name is James McGuire and I'm an Associate Professor at the Business IT Department and affiliated with the TIP or Technologies and Practice Research Group. I've had a long-standing interest in climate change issues and in fact almost all of my research has been connected with it somehow, all the way from my master's thesis on the disappearance of fish, to my PhD on renewable energy, to my postdoc on data centres and to my continued interest in that topic plus extending into digital infrastructures. But it's been my research on the environmental impacts of data centres that has triggered a series of new and what I think are exciting research areas for me. I'm going to say a few words now about what's called green visions for data storage or simply known as DNA storage. As I'm sure you all know, data centres huge massive amounts of energy and they take up vast quadrants of land, hosting hundreds of thousands of servers. And these servers usually have a kind of an average life of about three years each. So they are, in many ways, a climate and sustainability problem. But this is even more problematic as data continues to grow and grow and the limits of silicon uh, is becoming known to us as it reaches its capacities. So one of the big questions for the coming years will be where will we put all this data, given that our consumption um, of digital artefacts and our generation of data will only increase as time goes on. And some of the big technology companies are now researching the possibility of DNA storage, or DNA as a storage medium. And as you all know, DNA has been storing a genetic code for billions of years. It's dense and durable, and it's easy to use, and it can store digital information in only a fraction of the space uh, that's been used at present. What the tech companies are investigating is the possibility of translating digital data, or ones and zeros, into DNA, or DNA asset codes. That means creating a conversion process between the ones and zeros of digital data and hosting them in DNA. And this has already been done with synthetic DNA. Researchers have already translated and stored a host of what they call important cultural heritage artifacts or items, including some of Shakespeare's sonnets and Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. Although right now using synthetic DNA as a storage medium is expensive, it's slow, and it becomes obsolete quickly. The near-term ambitions of the industry are to facilitate organizations who don't require immediate access to their data with some type of DNA storage or what they call cold storage, which would, over time, be cheaper, more secure, and apparently better for the environment. But the tech industry has no shortage of imagination, and they envisage a vast scaling up of DNA storage technologies. What I read in industry literature is, for example, that all the information currently held in one hyperscale data center could be contained in two or three dice of maybe about this size each. But the next steps that the industry imagined is going to be to be able to store data in DNA uh, in organic matter, not just in synthetic DNA. So imagine, for example, uh, storing your family photos in the plant on your coffee table. That would be amazing, right? But what would it actually mean? Right now, this research is still really in its early days although the biotech industry is working hard to make it a reality. The furthest researchers have got so far has been to code the word hello into an organic entity for a few hours prior to it being destroyed and attacked. But again, there's no lack of imagination here. The green vision for data storage is fascinating. And one researcher uh, from Estonia describes it like this. Imagine walking through a park that's actually a library. Every plant, flower and shrub full of archived information. You sit down on a bench, you touch your handheld DNA reader to a leaf and listen to, example, listen to, for example, the Rolling Stones directly from it, or choose a novel, or watch a documentary, 
amid all the greenery. One simple tree could provide all the educational data anywhere in the world. So this is an exciting eco-tech vision of integrating nature and technology in new and climate-friendly ways. But what would it mean to digitalize nature? And where might this end? Uploading digital data, not just into organic matter, but into more familiar organic matter, maybe our pets or even maybe ourselves. While this is still in the realm of the unknown, what's sure to follow is a series of conversations about the ethics of the imaginaries that sketch out such eco-tech climate visions or climate futures. And this is what I'm primarily interested in. Already big tech and biotech's combined visions of these eco-tech futures are gaining a foothold and already are kind of the pathways through which we map out how the future might look. But there are many, many tensions at play here. It wouldn't be too hard to argue that the entire problem of climate change is part and parcel of Euro-American white males and their desire to conquer and colonize the planet at will. We see this not only in the past, but we also see it now in the present as multi-planetary enthusiasts like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk claim that colonizing outer space is the best way to enable us uh, to get through the climate emergency and conquer and colonizing the, the outer space's planet's resources at will. There's something interesting going on here when the solution to one form of colonialism that has ravaged the earth and put the future of the planet in jeopardy is another form of colonialism, albeit this time the colonizing of outer space. Maybe we could think of the turn to DNA in similar terms. Rather than the drive to get us to modify our digital consumption practices, our surveillance capital, it allows us to continue to see solutions to problems through the same type of troubled logics and optics of colonizing and extraction. Except this time, it's through a deep dive into the inner, if one could call it that, genomic spaces of DNA. One could ask what might the trees say to being a vessel for our entertainment and knowledge infrastructures? More recent research in trees, in fact, is really fascinating and has begun to uncover the myriad of different ways that they communicate with one another, that they feed and protect each other and provide an ingenious network of connectivity that services all around them, including very much us. So the colonizing logic of extraction and ownership allows us to see them as a mere resource to be harvested. First, that, was used, that logic was used to generate carbon in the name of industry and civilization and then to rid us of the very same problem. We need to understand the logics at play in these futures, especially when the connections between the environment and technology will only continue to get stronger. And this is the type of research I'm really interested in pursuing the future, and I hope that we can embrace here at ITU. So we can both uh, be part of the green transitions, be critical of it, and intervene in it in ways that are ethical and just. Thanks.